Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Community of Hope. It's so good to be here with you today. Uh, For those who are streaming online, we're so glad that you are joining us here in the Loxahatchee campus. Uh, It is such a joy to be here with you. Uh, My name is Brandon Weaver, and I'm the campus pastor of our Lake Worth campus. God willing, we'll be launching in December. Please, Lord, let it happen. Yes. We are just so excited uh, for the opportunity to be here. Uh, For those of you who don't know, um, I grew up in this church. Um, I remember when we were building this building. I even remember back when we were in Royal Palm Beach High School in a rented facility every Sunday. Any of you were were there back in those days? Yeah, I see some of those hands out there. And um, it's just such a joy uh, to be a part of this church, uh, the church that poured into me uh, where I got to learn about Jesus, where I was transformed by his word and by his people, and that I get to come back in this capacity and to be able to learn and to preach and to teach. Uh, it is just, it's very uh, humbling just to be here with you this morning. And uh, Dale is away. He's over at our Espanol campus, at our West Palm Beach campus, so he's not playing hooky, okay? Just wanted to let you know. Uh, he is working. He's just over there. And we do this um, preaching rotation here at Community of Hope, and so this week got to be my week, and it's just a season of learning in the Weaver household. Um, I'm still a full-time student working on my Master's of Divinity degree uh, from Asbury Seminary, and so I'm doing that full-time as well as launching a campus and all of that. And so uh, this week, it's, it's just been, you ever had one of those weeks where you're like, is this week going to end? And uh, earlier, uh, last Sunday, we were celebrating my brother-in-law's uh, birthday, Eric, and uh, for his birthday, he wanted to do like a pickleball-themed birthday party. All right, so my birthday was a month ago, and we did steak and lobster. He did pickleball. All right, you, you decide whose is better. I mean, come on. And uh, so we went, and we were playing pickleball, and you, you might never play this game. You might be thinking, it's for old people, you know, it's so you don't get injured. It's not very easy. You've obviously never played pickleball. And um, Haley and I would play when we were living in Kentucky, and we'd play doubles, and we loved it. And so we felt, you know, pretty confident going to this birthday party pickleball game. And uh, as we were playing, Haley and I were kind of on opposing teams, and I just I had a great shot. And she was going to get it, and as she was going, her Achilles tendon snapped. Yes, happy birthday, Eric. And so... Uh, Went to the doctor, got to see a specialist, her Achilles tendon is fully ruptured. Um, and so it's just been one of those weeks, right? And of course, preaching this week. And um, it's just how it happens, isn't it? And uh, she'll be getting surgery on Wednesday. Um, she's just such a trooper, uh, but it's just, you know, it's a season of learning in, in the Weaver household. And so it's just so great uh, to be here uh, with you uh, in this season of learning. If you were here last week, uh, Pastor Dale begun this sermon series, True For You, and he really began this conversation of unpacking what does it mean for objective truth? Is there such a thing as objective truth? And really, we looked at Scripture, and we were turning, and we were finding out that not only does Scripture speak about an absolute truth, but that Jesus is the truth. And he shared last week that he is the way, and he is the life. 
And the last thing that he really challenges as he began this conversation is that truth is under assault. And really what he was going at is this idea of relativism. And basically what that means, you might have heard this saying, you might have said this yourself, but what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. And we see that truth is under assault. And we looked at this doesn't always apply in every area of our life, right, with math and with science, right? There are things that are objectively true regardless of where you are in the world, your age, your economic status. There are just certain things that are true. But when it comes to religion, we can get a little squidgy when it comes to objective truth. And so my assignment uh, today is really to unpack two large scriptural truths within three passages of Scripture. And so our first passage of Scripture this morning is going to be in 2 Timothy. If you have your Bible, your Bible app, however you take notes, you can go ahead, open that up, and we're going to be diving into the Word this morning. So we're in 2 Timothy, we're in chapter 3, and we're going to be starting in verses 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I love how in the beginning of this chapter it says all Scripture. You can highlight, underline, circle that. It's not the Scriptures that we like. It isn't just the Old Testament. It isn't just the New Testament, but it is all of Scripture. It uses this phrase, God breathed. And as I shared with you, I'm in seminary, so I'm learning all of these different ideas and concepts. And one of the ways in which the writer is trying to convey this idea of God breathed, that means that the presence of God resides in his text. That the Bible is uniquely different, that there is something different about Scripture that we don't find in any other book that you and I would read. And that's really our first big idea we're going to be unpacking this morning, that all Scripture is God breathed. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we open your word, as we look at these pieces of Scripture, Lord, where you are describing your truth, God, would you open our hearts and our minds to the things of God? Lord, would you meet us in the places that we are? Lord, I know we come into this place wanting areas in our lives to be better. Lord, I know that. I know everyone else knows that. And so, God, we know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. So would you reveal yourself to us new and fresh here today? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I love how Scripture makes these kind of truth claims about itself. One of these really great ideas of God-breathed, that Scripture is unique, that it is from God himself, this is a question that human beings have been asking for thousands of years. And the second piece of Scripture we're looking at, I think, does a great job at defining what that actually means. And this is 2 Peter chapter 1 starting in verse 20, and this is what it says, if I can find it. There it is. It says, there we go, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about from the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What is the writer trying to communicate? He's saying it is not of human will or human origin that we find ourselves in Scripture, that it is uniquely different, that it is the Word of God for the people of God. And this is something that is unique. 
And if you know me, you know I'm a lover of books. I specifically love bookstores. I love going into a bookstore. I love how it smells, all the old paper. I love how everything's in a neat row. It's alphabetical. It's beautiful. I love it. That is how life should be, right? You go to the desk, you ask about something you're looking for, three rows down, second row up, and it's there. So satisfying. Yes. My people. And I remember when I was 18 or 19, and I was going into this bookstore, and I was noticing that there was this self-help section. And I've kind of noticed over the past 10 years, it's been growing and, and growing. And maybe you have too. And I remember going when I was 18 or 19, and I wanted to learn about investing. Because as any 18 or 19-year-old, I thought by the time I was 30, I would be a millionaire. Yeah? <laughs> I just turned 30 a month ago. It hasn't happened. Um, the wisdom of a young man. And I remember reading this book. And I remember picking the book up, and I remember really asking two questions. Is this reliable? Can I trust what the author is telling me? And is it useful for me? Is the information here, does it actually apply to my life circumstance? Does it have any bearing on my life? And I remember reading this book, and I had this really big presupposition in the middle that was I had like 50 grand lying around that I could just like throw in the market. And I remember reading this book in the bookstore and just kind of closing it, putting it back, and I had like $36 in my bank account and a receipt from Taco Bell. You know, like that was, that was it. Like, this doesn't apply to me. This isn't useful. And I think sometimes we think the same way with Scripture. We're asking ourselves this question, how can this old book be useful and reliable for me? Does it understand my life circumstance? Is it speaking to me? And that's a really great question. Here's some of the things that we know about Scripture. We know there's roughly about 40 authors that compile Scripture. It roughly is 2,500 years of human history. We know that it consists of 66 books, and yet there is one consistent message, and there's no other book like it in its continuity and its consistency. It is uniquely different. The theological word we would use would be called inspiration, that Scripture is inspired by God. Now, you, you might not know what that means, and so I want to quote one of my favorite New Testament authors. His name is N.T. Wright. And this is how he defines inspiration. He says, It is a shorthand way of thinking about the belief that by the Spirit, God guides the very different writers and editors so that the books they produce were books God intended his people to have. So what inspiration doesn't mean is that God was standing over the writers of Scripture and then telling them where to place the comma, telling them where to place the period. Nope, autocorrect, that's wrong. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't dictated word for word. But God used humanity, he used our language, he used our context to display to us what he wanted us to know. And that's what we find here in Holy Scripture. It is uniquely different. I remember being a young boy and kind of thinking of this idea of ancient times and antiquity, and I could imagine this big round kind of wooden table with this like large candle, and they're all just, you know, in there in silence writing, right? It's, it's dynamic. The text is full of history. It is rich with humanity. It is something that is different. It is inspired by God himself. And so, therefore, it is reliable for those of us who call ourselves Christians. It is reliable. It is different. That's what we mean by it is inspirational. The second big idea that I want us to look at this morning is not only is it good for us to understand God's word, that we might obtain truth and to obtain knowledge, but that it's transformational. 
And the third passage of Scripture we're looking at this morning, I think, really points at, again, how Scripture is uniquely different. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 12. It says this, For the Word of God is alive and active, right? Not dead and unuseful, but it's alive and it's active, It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Nothing. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him who we must give account. Now let's go back to our 2 Timothy because we kind of left a big chunk, and this is the transformational piece, right? So all Scripture is God-breathed, but it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Have you ever felt like you are just going through the motions? Maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home, or maybe here it's at church, right? You've ever been in that position, or maybe you've experienced that yourself. And what I love what Scripture teaches us is that what Christianity has to offer so much more than going through these religious motions and workouts here on a Sunday morning. It's so much more than that. What Scripture tells us is that it's life-transforming, that Scripture itself transforms us. And I learned that in a new and a fresh way this week, And uh, because not only do we read Scripture, but Scripture reads us, and here's what I mean by that. So as I told you, this week has, has been a week. And uh, in the Weaver household, our routines have been thrown all over the place. We're trying to get, you know, Haley to the doctor, see the specialist, get the recommendation, do the blood work to get the MRI, yada, yada, yada. You know, we're new in our marriage. We're about four years in. So this is kind of like our first medical deal we're having to learn, right? So we're, we're learning how to do this. And, uh, you know, she's not able to put any weight on her foot, so she can't really do anything, right? She can't brush her teeth by herself. She can't get something to drink, right? She can't drive. You know, she can't make my dinner every night, you know I mean? <laughs> Relax, relax. That would be nice, but anyway. So we're learning all of these things. And so she's, you know, needing to ask me to, to help her with all these things. And if you know Haley, right, she don't need no man, okay? She's a strong, independent woman. Uh, but she loves me and she wants me, right? And so she's having to ask me, and, you know, to be a good husband. I'm, I'm trying to be gracious. But by Wednesday, though, I was, I was feeling it. I was feeling it, my humanity, you know, I'm trying to do my schoolwork, I'm trying to prepare for the sermon, and, you know, can you give me a glass of water, can you, you know, and I'm like, yes, yeah, yes, and, um, you know, I was starting to feel some, some resentment build up, a little bit of anger, and I remember Thursday morning, uh, normally what I do is I'll wake up, and I turn to God's Word, and I read it, and I journal on it, and uh, as I was preparing, and as I was reading through 2 Timothy, it was like just the Holy Spirit just kind of gut punched me, you, you might have experienced this before. And as I'm reading how Scripture is useful for teaching and correcting, rebuking and training in righteousness, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, your relationship with Haley right now, it's kind of like our relationship. You come to me with your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, and and how do I respond to you? He said, do I respond to you out of anger? Do I respond to you with an attitude? Or am I loving? Am I gracious? Am I kind? Gosh, and it just wrecked me Thursday morning. And that's what I mean, that Scripture reads us. There is something uniquely different about Scripture and its truths. Mark Twain has a, has a famous quote 
when he talks about Scripture, and you've probably heard Pastor Dale say it before, but he says, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand that bother me. This is the life-transforming work of Scripture, that it's not just useful in the sense of obtaining knowledge. Knowledge about God might lead to longevity in the faith, but it won't lead to maturity in the faith. It is transformational. We have the opportunity to sit under the Master and become more and more like Jesus every single day. And God did that in a new and a fresh way for me here this morning. When we read our Hebrews passage of Scripture that it is alive and that it is active and that nothing is hidden, it reminded me when I was a young boy and I had this strong sense of wanting to know what was wrong and right. And I just had one of these conscience where if I did something wrong, I had to get it off my chest. And the way that kind of worked in our household is you would, you know, you would come and I would basically come to dad, right? And I would tell him what was happening, what was wrong, and then just punishment would be dealt. And so I remember I had said something I shouldn't have, and I knew it was wrong, and I was kind of anxious, but I just had to get off my chest. It was worse than any punishment I could receive. And I can just remember going to my dad. I remember what he's wearing, this beautiful mustache. And I remember confessing, you know, I, I said some things I shouldn't, I know it was wrong, and, and I remember he goes, you know, I'm really glad you told me, because I actually knew you already did that, but I was giving you to the end of the day to come and, and to confess to me. And, and what I knew then, and what I know now, is that my dad was trying to create a relationship where his son could come to him with his sins and receive forgiveness. And, and I love how what Scripture is saying is that God knows what we're doing. Nothing is hidden. His word is alive and active. As we read it, it reads us, and it is useful for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, and for training in righteousness for the good works that he has prepared for you and for me. Scripture is uniquely different. And I did not receive punishment that time. And so I basically would come and confess everything, and then he started to realize I was manipulating him, and it didn't work out really well. (laughs) But that's the truth. And, and the way that, that I do this really practically, because this can kind of seem intimidating, whether you're new to faith, uh, this is your you know, hundredth year in the Christian faith, wherever you may be, uh, we're on this spectrum, this journey. And, and the way that I read Scripture every morning, it's very simple. I have my kind of corner in, in my house. Uh, here's a picture of it, I think. It's a picture of the chair, my beloved chair. And so every morning until everyone in my family started ripping their tendons, I would wake up early. And I would make a delicious cup of coffee, and I would sit in that chair, and I would read one or two passages of Scripture, and I would do the soap journaling uh, reading method that we here at Community of Hope do. It's the Word of God speak plan. And I simply just write down in my journal, and I just ask God a few questions. Lord, what do you want me to know? How can I apply this to my life? What way have I wronged you this week? And, And the Lord, He just speaks. Sometimes I hit the snooze button, right? Monday, Tuesday, I did not do this discipline. And Wednesday, right? You just heard where that got me. Not a good place. Not the person who I want to become. And so my question to you is, is where is your chair? Where are you intentionally spending time with the Lord? Where are you carving out a space where you get to hear from God? Because God is speaking to you. His word is alive and it is active. And it is useful for you and for me. He wants to tell you something. Because what I know is that you and I, we come in, and there are areas in our life which we want to be better. We want things to be different. And the only way in which you will have sustaining life change, life transformation, is by getting in his word 
in doing what it says. One of my kind of habits and routines is um, I'm a coffee like fanatic. I absolutely love coffee. I roast my own coffee. Um, I think I have a picture of my little coffee roasting setup outside. This is like my little slice of heaven. You know, I have my very high-tech $1 plastic planter so that I can cool down the coffee beans after I'm done roasting it. It's just, I'm obsessed. But it's these moments, it's these habits, these, these traditions and rituals that I build into my life where I'm allowing God to speak, where I am silent, where I am in the listening position. And so the challenge for us this morning is, do we have that space? Are we opening ourselves up to this active and alive word that God has for you and for me? And so I want to challenge you this next week. Take a picture of your spot, whether uh, it's a chair, maybe it's outside, maybe it's in a coffee shop, wherever it may be. I would love for you to post that and then tag Community of Hope in that picture. Because I would just love to see, where is it that you are taking time to hear from God this week? And at the end of this series, uh, we're doing a panel with people who are much more intelligent and much smarter than I am, and you get to ask your questions about the Bible. Check out our app, go on our website, and you can submit your questions. What are some of the questions that you have about Scripture? Uh, we here at Community of Hope know that truth is not hidden, and so we want to be a place where we can come, we can ask our questions, and we can engage intellectually with our faith. And so I just want to go, and I want to recommend that to you. The two big ideas this morning is that Scripture is inspired. It is the Word of God for His people, and that it is transformational, that it is alive, and that it is active. Would you pray with me? God, I am so grateful that Your Word is alive and that it is active. Lord, it knows our thoughts and it judges our attitudes, Lord, and it is useful for teaching and correcting, for rebuking and training in righteousness. God, I thank you that you're speaking to us, Lord, even to me, because, God, I need your word. Lord, we can't do this life alone. We have tried everything else, and it is unsatisfactory. Lord Jesus, we come to you because we know you are the way, we know you are the truth, and we know that you are the life. And so, God, I pray for everyone who is here in our Loxahatchee campus, Lord, all those who are online, would they know that you are with them, Lord, that you go before them. God, would they create space in their lives this week to hear from you, to open your word, and for you to speak. God, we ask that you would do only what you can do. Lord, move here amongst us. God, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, I guess my youth group preaching muscles are showing here with a little bit of a shorter sermon, but um, we're in the season of learning, are we not? (laughs) We are here. And so we're going to end a little bit early, but hey, check out the pumpkin patch, talk to someone you don't know, get a cup of coffee. These are God's people. Be in community with one another and receive this benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you go from here, knowing that he is speaking to you. His word is alive and it is active and it is useful for you and for me. Go in God's peace. Amen. We'll see you next week.